Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Genetic engineering, a post-apocalyptic world, corruption, scanners powers, and red diapers. That's right, we are honoring Sean Connery on today's show. We may have lost the man last year in October, but 1974 Zardos will live on. I've seen this movie three times, yet when I try to think about it the next day, it just feels like I'm trying to remember a fever dream. And I guess we, I think we all know why. But the one thing I do remember is, well, the fact that the big head says the gun is good, the penis is evil, because that's funny. And of course, that damn good looking handlebar mustache that Sean Connery sports. I can't wait to try and make sense of this damn movie. Now play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast, you know, we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Now the game, the legendary, hairy upper lips. It's the Mustachio Podcast, you What is up? Welcome to the Mustachioed Podcastio. I am your host, Daniel Segura. And today I have a first-time guest for the Podcastio, but uh, he is no stranger to podcasting. He is also no stranger to being a dad, which I'm sure is fun. Um, I mean, I'm glad I haven't spawned any mini Daniels, but, uh, you know, I'm proud of the ones that go out there and 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 bust a load in someone anyway he is the host of the motion picture massacre podcast welcome to the show vaughn hey man how you doing great way, to, great way to introduction me you know I'm, I'm happy you don't have any kids but you know all this stuff that's been all you know my my seed is everywhere if you really want to find it out yeah like, jesus christ Oh, you've just been spreading it everywhere how many yeah. kids do you got man i just got one man like i said like i said to well my soon-to-be ex-wife um <laughs> the old the old, <laughs> old battle axe um i we broke the mold with my kid you know i say that i say that about my my parents had three boys me and my two brothers and i and you look at the other two fucking nutbags that are, i'm related to and i'm like mom dad seriously none you should have just stopped after me we would have been fine <laughs> And they just look at me very, very upset. And I'm like, what? And then you, then as the years have gone by, they start to realize, man, maybe you're right. It's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> the holidays would have been so much smoother if it yeah, was me. Just, just fucking me. Done. <laughs> Guys could have stayed home, had dinner at home, so jumping all over the place. Ah, fuck it. I feel you. I grew up with three other siblings. I was the youngest, and it yeah. was a freaking shit house, man, in that whole place. <laughs> we only had one bathroom. Ugh. My God. Oh, I remember. Uh, I don't know if I've said this on my show, and I, I it's embarrassing, but I remember <laughs> middle school just peeing in bottles because I just didn't want to bother going to the bathroom. <laughs> and my mom saw it. I used to just store them on the side of my bed against the wall. I would just store them because I was always getting Gatorades. I was in football, and, and I would get Gatorades after after practice. I'd drink it all, and then I would just keep them, and i just put a bunch of piss in there. I had like four <laughs> bottles of piss one time. My mom's like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, uh, will you believe me if this is a science experiment? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the opposite with me is that bathroom was like the only place in the house you could be was the quietest room in the house, and no one would bother you in the bathroom. Oh yeah. So when I was a little kid, I'd hide, I'd sit and eat fucking food in there because you could just sit and because the whole rest of the house would be a fucking 
it's a mad, it's an ape house. It's just fucking madness. And it's like you can just sit in the bathroom. No one's gonna bother you. You can just sit there and hang out. And I sit on the floor. Like when this is when I was a little kid. My parents still bring it up too. Like I, I bring someone home. Like my my current ex wife. I bring her home, and it's like. The first thing out of her mouth, like, you know, you used to eat cookies in the bathroom. I'm like, fucking Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. Can you introduce yourself first before this fucking... Oh, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking that handheld gaming was made for the shitter. Like, <laughs> as a kid, I would be... I, I did grow up with some of those Tiger Electronics, and yeah, I remember yeah. having Mortal Kombat, and I just <laughs> mastered that fucking Tiger Electronic game. I just would beat it every time, and just because I would just play it in the bathroom yeah, just yeah. for like an hour. Um, so tell me a little bit of what is this uh, motion picture massacre podcast? Let's get that up here. I want to. Okay. I want to know about more about that. Start, okay, so I'll put it out here. Starting this month, it will mark 13 years I've been podcasting. Um, wow! Like you, you like, I, are you like 55? What are you? No, are you? no, I'm. I'm not 55. I'm not that old. Um, but um, I'm a solo podcaster. Uh, I've been doing it on my own for like you know occasionally have people on and stuff like that, but mostly just kind of like um, genre film, cult film stuff that's like on the edges, just like you know the weird yeah. shit that a lot of people don't talk about. You I know? like it. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I I lead. And like I told you, I listen to your show. I think it's a good show. And then I follow you on Twitter, and I just all right. I'm just gonna fucking bum rush him. Just <laughs> just you watch Sardos yet? No, I want that one done. Don't ever. No one else can ever touch it. That's mine. Whenever you want to schedule it, let's do it. So we're both crazy and <laughs> we're both crazy enough to be able to run an entire episode by ourselves. But you do do you do pretty much every episode alone though? Yeah. And there's been a handful wow. of episodes that I've done with people, but like I like there's a lot of friends I have, I'll just drag them on if there's something we've been talking about for a while. But most of the time I just do it on my own, just kinda of pick something and just run with it. <laughs> That is yeah. magical, because I remember when I first decided to do solo cholos, I was like, "Well, I I don't think I'll be able to find guests very often." So I just started doing them, and uh, eventually, yeah, that's how it was with me. It's just like I I make plans with people, and then things would blow off, and after a while, I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm not just going to do this by myself." I don't want to wait for people to get off their asses to like, uh, you know, like they schedule and then they don't show up, or it's like. Or they like oh, yeah. text you. Or they text you the next morning. It's like, oh, by the way, I totally forgot. Like, how the fuck did you forget? You're not doing anything else. Like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, being being a musician uh, back in the day, I remember how absolutely just flaky other musicians were. So yeah. I have the same mentality. I'm always <laughs> figuring things won't work out, and then when they do, I'm happy. Right. It just makes life easier that way. <laughs> so, um. Tell me a little. Why did you decide you wanted to bring on Zardos? Like, what kind of history do you have with this movie? Is it something new to you, or is it something you've been watching? Oh no, I've watched this. I've watched this. I've had like it, an, any version of media that's ever came out. I've had it sitting either on VHS or fucking DVD, Blu-ray. I'm waiting for that fucking UHD so I can get that Sean Connery mustache in fucking 4K. <laughs> um, and see, see <laughs> that diaper a, in 4K. It's like like John Borman's one of those directors I really like. And oh, yeah. it, this and it's like he's a real good director, you know. He he, he directed all these kind of hard boiled shits, and he directed Deliverance, and then like after Deliverance, he said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want." <laughs> yeah. And like Zardoz is the start of that. It's like that and the and Exorcist Two, which is a bonkers fucking film. Oh my Excalibur, god. Yes. and it's like, like it's like what the hell? Like, okay, it's like you just completely. I have, I have all the clout in the world. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want. And I'm just, who cares if the movies make any money? I want to make it. So it's like, okay. He does have a way of sort of 
taking his time with the movie and focusing on things that in the big picture mm-hmm. may not be that important, but to him, it, he doesn't get, especially like I grew up with Excalibur. Um, my yeah. older brother who's been on the show, John, a couple of times showed me that movie, mm-hmm. probably a little too young because there's some <laughs> subject matters in that yeah. movie. They're problematic, yeah. but, um, I remember just being so engrossed in it. Like I just, I love the music. I love the vibe. I, right. I love the way everyone spoke. Like the way the script was written was weird, and the visuals. And of course, you know them riding down King Arthur, riding down, and all the flowers yeah. are blooming is one of the most dope ass <laughs> scenes yeah. of all time. Uh-huh. So yeah, no, I I agree with you. I like his directing style. I like that he gives uh, a lot of room to breathe because there's yeah. a lot of times where things happen, mm-hmm. and. It's very much – I think the thing with – like with Zardos, it gives you a lot of room to breathe, but there's also – it's also cheeky. Like it's like a cheeky movie. Like there, there's definitely very, very important concepts and very societal, like just overarching important messages in this movie. But it's also right. kind of goofy. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. that's what makes it fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it doesn't take itself too seriously, you know. Yeah, that's that's one thing I like about. It. I guess he got like he got past that. Like he's like, well, I need to be taken seriously by the by the you know the Motion Picture Association, everybody else around me. He did Deliverance, and Deliverance pretty much punched his ticket because it made a lot of money and he got a, nominated for a bunch of awards. Yeah, and it's just like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna fuck around. And not like, and it's like, <laughs> but it's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fuck around with films that I think that are worth talking about. You know, what I mean, he picked something like he like. I read about with this that he was working on the Lord of the Rings before he made this, and oh, that's he, right. And he couldn't he couldn't get it done, you know, probably because of fucking money and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, blatantly even in his script in the commentary on the TV, on the Blu-ray, it's like, you know, I just took the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I just took the Wizard of Oz and took the W, and you know, I just Zardoz is right in the center. They just couple co- cover a couple. It's like bingo, done, done, done. <laughs> I know. I like to think he dropped it, and then some other stuff felt like some ribbons. Fell yeah, something on it. like somebody just put their hand, and he looked at it. They put their, they had their thumb in the way, their hand in the book. Hey, you want to read this? Like, holy shit, that's the name. Done. Gone. <laughs> there we go. I've been yeah. writing this freaking screenplay for three weeks. I got a title finally. <laughs> yeah, you can tell this is his. He, he needed to get the fantasy out of him. You know, he yeah. wanted to make this sci-fi type fantasy. Uh-huh. And he wasn't getting Lord of the Rings. It wasn't yep. going to work out. And he just needed to bust his giant bourbon nut all over <laughs> this movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And this movie is... It's its interesting because it's oddly sexual, but not in any certain, you know... No, it's not like 70s, like 70s new Hollywood films were, where you'd have like women running around naked and the guys are like, oh, blah, blah. You know, in this film, women are just, you know... They're wearing those 70s freaking styles. No bras. Those shirts are wide open. There's just a little tie at the top. Yeah. Guys and are flamboyant. Guys are wearing guys are pink just, and in colors and that got, you just didn't see guys wear. And got perms and shit. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, they got perms. They got perms. You got, and I, I know, I know the bit. You know, I've seen other podcasts cover this movie, which is right. why it wasn't one of the first movies I brought onto the show because this is a, right. a type of movie that, and, and honestly, because the mustache, how mustache heavy it is, and how powerful <laughs> yeah. it is, mustachioed wise, right. I knew I would get people. You, you were not the first person to bring it on to bring it up, but <laughs> I just kept kind of like telling people, "Oh yeah, it's on the list. It's on the list. It's on the list." But you came at me in a certain way where I was like, all right, this guy means business. Like, I'm going to bring him on board. Let's talk well, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like you look on anything about it, it's all kind of jokey. 
everybody kind of giggles at this film. Yeah. Any like like any like I don't see like you know you see like a thousand fucking pieces of analysis on The Shining, but you, the only <laughs> things you look online about this are like maybe there's a couple of maybe like good dissertations stuff like good written pieces, but mostly it's just two fucking jerk offs giggling about the film. <laughs> look, he's got a fucking diaper on. <laughs> like, shut yeah, the fuck like that's up. where it always starts. And and yeah. what I was gonna say was I actually like the. I think he looks cool. Like I think I I get that it's different. I get that yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But when you're trying to make a movie like this and you're trying to create this person that is supposed to be an exterminator, yeah, they're barbarian. Different, you know, yeah. Like, and they have to have a look. They can't just be like. And that whole like bandoleros on the on the you know crossing over and the. The red, the red drawers, and it's like, oh, it's it's awesome, and running around, and you know, you know that open, there's the opening scenes where the, the Zardoz head comes down and starts spitting out fucking guns and shit. Oh yeah, and I love that. And there's guys literally just painted; they just covered it in a white paint and let it dry, and like that's why it's all chipped up and shit. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah. that's fucking awesome. Like what? Like yeah, you just see all these madmen in these pla in these plastic helmets yeah. running around, you know, shooting people in front of this big old stone vet, stone helmet, and it's like, oh, this is fucked up. Okay. Yeah, screw sure. your Mandalorian helmet. Give me that goddamn Zardos helmet. <laughs> yeah, right? I just saw that. Like I saw it like on a Best Buy ad or something. I was like, oh look, they got a cool Mandalorian helmet. I was like, I want that Zardos, <laughs> just the face on each side. It would have yeah. been funny if like in the front it's it's serious, but in the back he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Brownie face, smiley face. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but I do see, like, there is sort of a Native American connotation to how he wanted the renegades to look because, right. you know, I get they're using these bright red colors, but yeah, it was all about mobility for Native mm -hmm. Americans. It wasn't about, you know, covering yourself with as many layers as you wanted. It was about keeping yourself agile. And so that's yep. why he's wearing that weird little diaper thing. And that's why he doesn't have anything on top other than, you know, the, the, the straps. And yep. so it makes a lot of sense. He's got the long hair. It's braided. So they were definitely going for that sort of, mm -hmm. I guess, what they would call back in the day a "quote unquote" savage, yeah. and which and makes every, sense. And it's not movie. just him. Everyone in the everyone who's surrounded by him, all his other, you know, friends and you know the people who are loyal to the barbarian style, the uh, the uh, the, they all are similar. They all have ah. you know they have clean faces, except for a, mu a mustache and a goatee. They either they have long hair; it's all pulled back and braided. You know, they're all physically fit in a certain way. You know, there's no fatties yeah. in this group. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, there's. I don't think there's a lot of food to go around. And, yes, well, whatever, the apocalypse well, is good to the is, waste, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But everywhere food is there, it's like if you, if you, if you notice that the, the stone head of Zardoz, you know, for exchange for guns and, you know, ammo, is like they have to give they them food. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a whole conflict near the end of the film of why one of the reasons why Zed, uh, Sean Connery's character, came to the uh, vortex in the first place, um, which is like when you watch it at like five o'clock in the morning, you're like, oh my god, this makes so much sense now. I'm because I'm, I'm I'm so f because you're because at that time you're so awake. I'm, I was like I'm so awake, and I'm like I'm not drunk. I'm not fucked up. I'm not watching with thirty other people who are like, you know, either one either drunk or, or high as fuck. And they're all trying to have these convoluted conversations. Where it's like, just shut up and watch the movie. It's like, uh, it's like, uh. <laughs> you know, my son is eating his breakfast, and it's like, I'm like, fuck, this is the fucking like, I love this movie, but like, I'm loving it more now because I've nothing else to think about, and all I have thinking about is this fucking movie. It's like, God, yeah, okay, it is encompassing. I was actually trying to watch a little bit of it while I was working today because I'm working from home. 
and I just couldn't. I'm like, I can't work. I can't work because yeah. I just end up having my eyeballs glued to the fucking TV, and I'm just like, I can't do anything. Uh, this movie paralyzes me in the sense of I get sucked into the weird dreamlike fantasy of this movie. Um, I love how he doesn't say shit for like a long. He hardly has any. Th- I honestly think Connery took this. You know, after you know, Burt Reynolds, I think was offered the part, right? Reynolds Which was, yeah, he was on. He was on board, and then illness kind of knocked him out. Which it was probably he'd read the script and said. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, is Ga- is Gator ready? Can I do that? Or is Smokey Amanda? Can I do something else? I'm not doing this. No. Yeah. Get me out of it somehow. He went in for the uh, the initial photos of of uh, trying on that costume. <laughs> like, yeah. Ooh. I was like, ooh, this really rides and, up the crotch. And, Con- and Connery was desperate to get out of the whole James Bond thing. He was yeah. like, I'll do anything, whatever you guys want me to do. And they're like, how about this? And he's like, hmm. How about the complete opposite of what you've been? Yeah. You know, yeah. you've been very smooth talking and well-dressed. Well, we're going to just strip you down, grow you your maybe hair get long. Like, you maybe get like six lines of dialogue. and You're going to lick a grown man's hand. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take a woman and throw her into a freaking bale of hay. Oh, like, my God. That, that part. So, so. Which, which is great because that's, a, that's clearly a dummy. Because when she, because you, you see this thing get chucked in the air, and yeah. it clearly lands right on its face. So if it's a human, like the way he chucks it, it makes it look like it's a human, like it's actual weight. But yes. you can clearly see when it lands, it lands straight on the head, and then you see the, th- the the woman pop up like a second later after he's gone ballistic, and you're like, oh yeah, no way. There's yeah, that's just this. It's silly as shit. So those are I, I was calling them I was calling them eternal zombies just because they're yeah. sort of I what I forget. Do they have a name Emp- for those? They're empaths. So Empaths. like, okay. So it's like the, it's a disease that these um, immortals have. Yeah. So they get so like non-caring that they just kind of fall apart. Yes. Because they're so. Be, okay. So try to explain this. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, give us. Why don't you get? I think you're more familiar with this film. So film than it's, me. it's 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 2093 or 2293. Um, the Earth has kind of gone through some kind of drastic change. It is run by a group of exterminators, and there are uh, another version called Brutals. They're the uh, the kind of the normal people who roam around the countryside. The exterminators are there to, like, pretty much stop them from breeding. Yeah, population uh, control. And, and their whole thing, and their whole thing is just because... And then they, they worship a, a god named Zardoz, which is a huge uh, me- like rock skull that comes out of no- comes from nowhere, comes Love from the, uh, the, the, uh, the heavens. Um, and in exchange for ammo and guns and sacrifice, they yes. have to give them food. And the exterminators only eat meat. But as the time goes on, they have to start. They are now being forced to create grain and crops for the gods for their god Zardos. Zed sneaks onto the skull uh, in one of the things of uh, one of the things of a uh, grain. Um, accidentally kills a person who he's not exactly sure who it is when he when he fa- lands into the area called the vortex. We find out who this. Ca- well, actually, we find out in the very beginning of the film. I totally forgot about this. Something that um, Borman said that he tacked on because I guess when they were doing screenings, like uh, test screenings. The, oh, the the weird head floating around. Yeah, uh, our our yeah. our the god of Zardos, the uh, f- friend. Uh, yes. Who, by the way, um, everyone, I will say is this is the ultimate disrespect. To the mustachioed gentleman, to draw your mustache is the giant middle finger to this show. So yes, Arthur, whatever the fuck his last name was, Arthur uh, Fran or whatever, Fran, yeah, is is the is the enemy of this show. So, <laughs> so yes, continue. 
So Borman put that that whole. So there's this introduction with Arthur Franz's head flying around the thing like some kind of '90s screensaver, explaining <laughs> explaining the film because I guess he had test screenings and no one understood the film. They're even like, though if huh? you really watch it, even if you really watch it and you pay attention to the dialogue, you can you know what the hell's going on. Yeah, like it's not hard to figure it out. But I guess people are just so doped up that they weren't paying attention. Exactly. Um, so he comes around. He explains who he is. That he is the, he is the god Zardos. That he is a you know he runs this he runs the world and he's also a magician by occupation, um, and he's gonna you know and he's pretty much gonna he tells us a little bit about it, and then it goes into the film. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Sorry to interrupt the show, but I have a commercial of a podcast you should hear. I'm so sorry. That sucked. I don't care. I'm just gonna keep this. On a dark night, you make a wrong turn on the highway and find yourself alone on a country road. You are unnerved, but the road is too narrow to turn around. As your tires crunch over the gravel, you turn the radio up to calm your nerves, and all you find is static. As you reach the end of the dial, you stumble upon a show you, nor almost anyone, has ever heard. Congratulations, you've stumbled upon the Lost Signal, a midnight sanctuary of terrifying audio plays to chill and fulfill. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zed, you know, gets in the vortex. You find out that Arthur Freed has been um, pretty much mutating them genetically. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the ex- ex- uh, exterminators. You find it out later. He goes in. He's unaware of what's happening. You find out. He goes into the the home of Arthur Friend and finds you know his ring, which kind of tells you what he what like it shows to them what kind of what they need what meat grain if they need stuff if they want stuff yeah that is basically and he's kind of in Alexa. control of that well right. then yeah right yeah. yeah and what you find out is that arthur's been kind of he's been given this because no one else wanted to deal with earth in their group yeah no one wants to deal with those those, those freaking yeah, they, they, they don't mind they don't mind complaining about them and eating yeah. their food but they don't want to do anything which is kind of a you know an allegory for any kind of thing the homeless you know the poor, you know Native American people. Any, but even anything like, that's anything that's yeah. out of our range, yeah. where we complain about it. You know the, you know the uh, LBGT, Black Lives Matter. You know all that stuff. As a white guy, I know you're you're not a white guy. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm a little slight. I'm slightly more toasty. I've been told I'm the perfect. I'm um, when your toast is perfectly done. I'm that. I'm that color. <laughs> But as a as a white guy, I deal with a lot of white people who complain about all this bullshit, and this is what it reminds me of. Because all these Eternals, the 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 mortals are whiteies. They're all British white people. Yeah. Um. You have Charlotte Rampling in there, which is fucking just wonderful. She is. Um, just, yeah. She's a damn angel. Like. I, so he goes and explores what's going on. They find him. They take him in, and they want to kind of like do certain like not a. They well, one group wants him dead, wants him to be exterminated because he shouldn't be here. And the other, and a couple other people want him to stay and be examined and find out how he got here and why he's here and what's his plan. Yeah, right. 
And well, the one thing I'm noticing about this whole society, like when he he gets into the giant head and Zardos head, he he get mm-hmm. he gets to the village. He sees yeah. you know he sees all this stuff. These people love plastic. Plastic is the future. Apparently, yeah. everything is made of plastic. I thought maybe mm-hmm. maybe the horses were made of plastic. I was just <laughs> like, is everything? <laughs> and also, like you had mentioned before, um, being nude and and because there's no. We find out later these Eternals, it, it, sex is not a thing. They don't need to yeah. procreate, so basically all the males don't get boners anymore. Well, they, well the three things is this. They don't die. They don't if die. they die, they are able to just repopulate. That's why like that one room where the, all the people are stuck in the plastic bags. Yes. And they find out that Arthur's died, but then they look around and they see a baby being born. Real That's baby. Arthur. That's why when he turns back up in the film out of nowhere... Yeah. It's because he's regenerated and he's he's pretty much gone would back it, to what age he was at. Wouldn't it have been funny if the little baby had a little marker mustache? <laughs> it would have been great if it was like a six-year-old kid running around with the same kind of attitude and the same get-up with the same painted-on mustache and goatee. and It just would have been awesome. But no, you have the same older guy. But yeah. anyway, they they can't die. They've been alive for, for decades. The only things they the only things bad things about them is that because they're a very dem, uh, they're a democracy and they talk about everything to death it seems like Ooh, and yeah. if you're out of the hive mind you get punished and you get put into an eternal um new year's eve party which i've kind of coined because that, that's what it reminds seems me of dope as fuck it's like you're just a drunk grandpa the rest of your life it's just yeah that's the only problem is that, like if you're young you get attacked by everybody um <laughs> and <laughs> that's true what, the what renegades the they call them the renegades yeah they call them renegades which is um, so funny. Like, that's such a cool name, and it's just yeah. like, we're the renegades. It's like, okay, cool, <laughs> cool. Now, I'm trying to figure... They they created a, an instrument that helps them stay alive. And now I'm trying to remember what it's called. The tabernacle. Tabernacle. Yes. The it tabernacle. sounds like a Christmas word to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Santa Claus has brought the tabernacle. So they've created this, and this is what it creates their this whole life for them. Yes. But they have a problem. Because they don't care, because they don't procreate, because they don't need to, because they want to control their... And there's multiple zones. This is just one. There's multiple areas within... Vortexes or whatever, Yeah, vortexes. There's multiple vortexes on the Earth. This is just one of them, right? Yes. But the the sad thing is that they have... Because they're so smart and they all work together and they don't particularly do the kind of main functions most people do, which is, you know, have sex and argue... Um, just you know, they have stress in their lives because yep. um, their lives are so nice that they become empaths, which are people who just completely lose all inhibition on anything, and they just become like slugs. They just walk around eating bread all day. Jeez. Yeah, and that's why they, and that's why the the um, exterminators have the brutals making grain because they have to feed them something, and this is the easiest thing to feed them, so they can create bread. They can make bread really fast. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a goofy thing because you're like, and they're like, you can clearly think you know that half the people, or at least a handful of the people that are immortals, are kind of worried about what the future holds for them. You know, yes, and you have Charlotte Ramping's character who who is dead set against getting Zed out of there anyway. She can if that means murdering him, that means murdering him. Mm-hmm. Consuela, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, which I thought was funny. Her name's Consuela. Yeah, I know, and she's like the palest woman in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then May is on the other side where yeah. she is curious. She is a thinker, perceiver person. Yeah. She's dead she deadly wants to find out all the if ands or buts about Zar about Zed. Yes. Why he's there, what's his purpose, 
you know, so, and he is, and he has an ability to kind of block that. It seems like no one else has because they're all these. They have scanner people. powers. They have like yeah. scanners' powers. It's crazy. They have, yeah, yeah. They can, they can, they can stop things with their minds. They can open doors. They can, and they have a machine that's able to read person, a person's minds and feelings, and portray it onto a TV screen, which is cool. A out. TV screen, by the way, y'all is not rectangular it's not circular it's just in this weird oblong like i don't even yeah. it just annoyed the shit out of me i was like why would you do that <laughs> i don't know if I'm, I'm i swear i'm not like an ocd guy but i was like what the fuck why are you cutting off the screen like that it's so stupid oh it's the future yeah of course that's the way things always roll so that's pretty much a good explanation of this film who's There's your favorite of- character in this movie um, the other guy, the one with the kinky little fro that he runs around with, who keeps calling him monster friend, um, friend, friend. I yeah. love him too. He is by he is, far and, my favorite, and he is he is he is the one guy in the whole group of immortals that is he's kind of ch- he's not checked out where like he's not an empath, but he's checked out. He's he's not particularly fond of living this way anymore. Yeah, he's submersive, and he, fi- he, and he finds that Zed is going to be the call, be the answer to what he wants, which is death. He wants to die. Yes, he, because they've, he's grown so bored of this life, and the way they work, and the way they argue about every single little thing. Um, that's got to be tedious as shit. Oh when yeah, when you're, when, you, when you're this group of like twenty people and they're all agreeing, or and if somebody disagrees, they just you know they age them five years and kick them into a into an old folks party den. It's like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden you're getting groped by Grandpa Joe. You know, <laughs> nobody wants that. But yes, Friend is one of my favorite characters. So Friend is this guy that, that basically guides uh, Zed around the, the village and puts him to use. And he treats him like – the whole village uh, basically treats him like he's an animal of some sort. There's even a well, moment that was where he's the, in a cage. That was the altercation. That's what Consuelo wanted. Consuelo said if said he's going to stay here, he has to do manual labor. Yes. He's a strong man. He can help us with this stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, things. If we need stuff moved around, everything like that, and he can do it. And there's even a scene where they're all meeting for like lunch, and he's kind of like handing out the drinks. Oh yeah. And Consuela has a fucking fit about it, and he's like, "But they're like, well, you didn't really specify like what he can do and what he can't do." It's like he shouldn't be in this room anyway because we don't want to be. You know, we're all going to be talking about him, so we don't want him to hear it. <laughs> and there's that big fucking fight. Yes, I love that scene. I also like the scene where he's. Um so apparently one of the seeds that Sean Connery, he was actually pretty down for all of this, which is insane to me. Like they showed yeah. him the costume, they showed him the script, and he was like, yes, let's do it. I am like, a lot. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so then he, but the one thing he gave a little bit of shit about was the whole thing where he's pulling that cart. He absolutely hated that. Well, I mean, he is pushing a guy. He's with a guy who's just got a cart full of bread and he's throwing at people. I would be a little pissed off too. It's like, how many takes are we doing for this? <laughs> I know. And apparently, Borman wanted him to go uphill, and he's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> oh, damn right! Holy shit! Oh yeah, I love that part where they're they're uh, they're putting up to manual labor because he enter he enters and they're. <laughs> And it's like he's it's like friend is a paper boy but with bread. He's just throwing bread at people. He's, he he doesn't even give a shit. It's like he's like I'll just throw it in the vicinity of where you're at. He's I, eating it and it's like yeah, people are just standing there and he just he calls out somebody's name and chucks about two of them at them. <laughs> and it's like hope you got him. It's like fucking and he's like don't stop. Just don't I don't give a shit. Just throw it out. It's like who can like and he he like I said he's so kind of over this life and his lifestyle. Oh yeah. That you know, that's what he's laissez faire or whatever the hell that yeah. word is. French people. But fucking. you think Arthur Arthur Freen has been working on this for years. 
because they've let him like have carte blanche with Earth, and they've never really checked on him. And as Zed comes in, they find out what Arthur's been doing the whole time. You know, Arthur's been using eugenics and tra- and turning the the exterminators into something more, like an ability to kind of pass through the the, vor- the vortex walls and get around their kind of emergency systems. Yeah, because it seems like he wants the same thing, just like. Um, his friend does, you know, friend. Yeah, it's been a long plan. It looks like he's he he sort of. It, we find out at some point when they're reading his mind that uh, he has been chosen, like he's been bred to be this this mutant that they refer mm-hmm. to him as. May refers to him as a mutant, yep. and that he ba- yeah he basically has the power to change things. He brings a and honestly, I I thought it was interesting they brought that concept to it because it. I think they could have made it even simpler and just been the fact that someone who's human, who's slightly educated in the sense of we learned that Arthur guided him to an old library of the old world and was able it's so funny. There's a scene where he looks down the hallway, he sees Arthur who's like if you think of Arthur, think of him as like a fucking magician, because he has that douchey ass yeah. face uh, of a <laughs> magician has. And and he's sort of doing like this shit with a book and it kinda captures it captures Zed's attention and he doesn't shoot him right away, which is usually mm-hmm. his automatic instinct yes. yep. and he stops and he's just showing him pages and it's like an abc book it's just to kind of yeah. show you the alphabet. well it's well you can see that like he he starts with the abcs and he starts like reads up to the very end and we this is how the resolve the reveal of like zardoz that the name of the of the uh, god is you know it's just it's wizard of oz without the w a it was yeah. w-a-r it's zardoz it's just his fingers covering it and it's like oh my god it's like it's a huge revelation to him but in, in reality it's kind of like a like a Wizard of Oz story. You have this stranger from a strange land coming into a world that he really doesn't belong. Um, and he meets the man behind the curtain at some point. Early in the film, he shoots him, but he does uh, get to meet the man behind the curtain. Yes. Um, and his whole world kind of falls apart because of it. You know, It is. It totally has a lot of connotations to that. And he does a great job you know, I feel like Connery does a great job of playing this sort of... I think sometimes he bounces back and forth, but... I remember being surprised because I thought, oh, he's going to be like a Wolverine type character, like early Wolverine right. who's more beast-like and just screams and growls. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. after a while, I was like, wait, this guy knows sentences, like he's speaking and stuff. And then that, then once they showed the fact that he learned how to read and he started reading, yeah. then he gets the Wizard of Oz and he figures out what might, might be going on. He, he, knows, he knows that this entire foundation that he has built his life on is fake and so he wants more answers he doesn't necessarily want to go in and destroy everybody he just wants to know the truth you know but the cool the cool thing though what really pisses him off is that they they change his job uh, you know locate idea on him so he's just he's supposed to be just killing and raping people that's all his job supposed to be eating meat killing and raping then all of a sudden zarda says we need wheat and it's like fuck we got to learn how to fucking grow wheat yes okay i guess that's what we're doing now it's like and it's and it pissed him off so much that he started this kind of like he wanted to know the truth of what who, what Zardoz is and who is you know and all this shit. Yes, uh, you know, and it's like all because he would all because he wanted he didn't want to be a farmer. It's like okay, yeah. Which by the her. way, that farm scene when is actually Borman who's the guy that falls down and then he yeah, shoots yeah. him in the face. And apparently Borman <laughs> had like I don't, not shrapnel, but whatever is what those fake shells are like it was actually in, like digged into his head or some shit for a while <laughs> like he actually shot him like holy well, shit. well 
Yeah, it was probably the most rela- relaxing thing for him. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, finally, just fucking... Bah, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> one bullet in here? Fuck. <laughs> and I do like... Cut, cut, cut. Stop shooting me. Cut. Stop shooting me. <laughs> He's like, shit, my freaking head hurts. <laughs> Sean, I'm okay. I won't let you all go up the hill again. Jesus Christ, stop. Well, one time. One of my favorite sequences is when... When Friend gets... They realize that friend isn't feeling this whole lifestyle, and he is—he's yeah. beginning to show behaviors of someone who should be obviously thrown as a renegade and thrown out there, shunned. And so they do this whole. I was going to tell you, there's some weird. I wonder if I don't know. Uh, I don't know who the director is, just because I haven't thought about it in a while. But that movie, Midsummer. There's yeah. a lot of that creepy cult like, uh, you know, people singing and doing creepy shit like that. It could be, yeah, you're right. It could, it could would, be something like that where he, yeah. he used that as a reference. Like, yeah, I feel like it because there was multiple times where they do these singing bullshit things that are just yeah. super creepy. Um, and it looks like everybody else gets aged properly, but friend gets like pretty much massacred on one side of his face. Oh, he yeah. looks like you know, looks like he was le- like a like a like a. Like a was like a GI Joe left out in the sun, yes. like and just one side of his body is all melted. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, he becomes like a a two face, but it's just young and old. You know, it's not young yeah. and gruesome. He looks insane, but he's super bitter. And Zed gets freaked out by seeing this happen. He he goes over to try to find him. He finds him with all the other renegade old people, and at first. Friend is like, no, fuck you. I thought you were the one, but you're just ruining my shit. Now I'm like half old. And uh, he tells the old people, the renegades, he's like, this guy can actually die. Why don't we, you know, see him die? So they start attacking mm-hmm. him. And eventually Zed tells him to stop and he starts talking to Friend. And then Friend lets him know, well, there were these guys. They were already middle-aged. They were already in their 30s and 40s. And they were the ones, they're the founders of this whole society. They figured out, mm-hmm. you know, how to, Im- immortality. And... But they couldn't. They created the tabernacle. They and created all that the stuff. tabernacle, and they just couldn't accept the custom of living in the vortex. They just couldn't. They had already lived a regular human life for too long, so they wanted to die, and they didn't give into the customs. So there is one of the co-founders there, and one of my favorite parts is that then friend takes zed to him he's in like a bed this guy doesn't mm-hmm. move much because he's been around yeah. for a long time and he just kind of hits him he just kind of hits a yeah. pole to wake him up he's like we want to die like he's a yeah he pulls a cane out of nowhere and smacks him in the fucking chest with it. Like, come on <laughs> tell him tell him how to do it look at me now this this perm does not work with his face fuck you get off <laughs> So then the old man sends Zardos to May, and and this is maybe one of the hottest scenes in the movie, and I don't know why I like it so much, because it's basically May brings him into, like, a, a sheet. Yeah, brings him over a tarp, yeah. and like, all right, tell me everything. Tell me everything. My tits are out, and look at them. Let's go. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, she puts him in the and, vortex, dude, <laughs> like the yeah. literal. And then, you fi- you fi- and then you find out all the, the whole about him learning to read and how Arthur Friend's been kind of behind all this. Um and his anger and reason why he's so upset and why he wants revenge. Yes. Like not re- well, not revenge per se, but he definitely wants answers. answers. Yeah. You know, they keep calling revenge, but he's like, no, I want answers. I want to know why our jobs changed. I was getting so used to having sex with anyone I wanted on the beach <laughs> and shooting them in the face afterwards. That was the life. Saying, Thank you, Zardoz. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Thank you. I'm happy to do your bidding, Zardoz. <laughs> Just give me more poon. Getting my dick. Kill. Getting my dick wet in the apocalypse. 
Just insane, man. I still would have loved to see if instead of the ABC books, it was just like Green Eggs and Ham or you know, right. some other book. This is so Pop on Pop. Yeah, it's like fucking Where's Waldo? He's reading a Where's Waldo for two weeks. Like, the fuck? Is that? I can't just no. Find this guy. I'm going to shoot him. Fucking Christ. Oh, my God. So then uh, uh, Consuela actually catches Zed and May because they get so hot and heavy with this exchange where she eventually, mm-hmm. May finds out how he realized what was going on and how he got over to the Vortex. They are basically yep. are about to make out, but then Consuela catches them and she's a complete cock block. And yeah. she starts doing the scanners trick to to zed so strong that this guy completely loses his vision like he's blind for a mm-hmm. while he's like running into yarn and shit he's just like yep. what the fuck yeah like her and, and, and like may's whole place is just like strings of yarn just everywhere <laughs> open wide open windows with no curtains and just strings of yarn in there it's like okay this looks really cool for like a 70s film it's like oh this is fucking awesome yes you know some you know somebody's grandmother still has that look in their house somewhere <laughs> Like in their kitchen, like right near the right near the kitchen table. There's like string. May's definitely like, Grandma. What is this bullshit? Like I don't, I don't. I thought it was lovely. I saw it in the movie when I was a child. It was great. May is definitely the hippie of the vortex. Like yeah, she's definitely the one who wants. She doesn't want to kill him. She wants to keep him as a specimen. Yes, and keep working on him and figuring him out and kind of understanding him because she has nothing else to do. Really, she's kind. Of, they're like that's the thing. They're all bored. That's yeah. the one thing you can tell is that all these people are bored. And an interloper comes in, and you have half the group that says no, and the half the other group is like yes. Let's let's whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Does he have snacks? Like just. just let's, let's. <laughs> oh, he's a snack, all right. Oh yeah, he's a snack. It, it, but then you can definitely tell with Consuela that she definitely has a thing. It's definitely like love hate relationship with uh, Zed. Oh yeah. She definitely, and then you you find out later what happens. I mean, I'm sorry. I um, would be. I would be. It. I think the moment, the pivotal moment, is when she's doing the Consuela's doing an experiment to show how, hey, we don't get boners anymore, but these beasts, you know, these brutals, they get yeah. boners still. So she starts showing photos or images on their like projector. Mud screen. wrestling and a woman washing yes. her tits. It's like okay, I got that. And then you see the mud wrestling. It's like this, this turns him on too, and he's just like, and then they turn it off, and he just sits there and stares at her. Yeah, and his shit goes wild bananas. Yeah, and you know, in the point where he's she's looking at him, he goes down. He goes looks at. He goes, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Uh huh. <laughs> this diaper's all got a lot of room in it. Like, come on. <laughs> I like his face because Sean Connery kind of has that like. Yeah, it's not it's not shitty. Like, there's this little smirk. He just stands there, confident. That fucking that stash just flowing. Yeah, and it's just mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't need to. You see, let's go. <laughs> Even if he had his quilt on, you would have seen that giant boner sticking out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy scene, but that's kind of when you see like there's definitely some sort of connection between them, and it's so funny that the movie yeah. shows us this by doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's it, that's what I like about this movie, though. It's like surprisingly, um, I wouldn't say it's a, a a. There's no comedy in this movie, but there's definitely parts where you chuckle. There are funny moments. Yes, yeah, there are some funny moments. There's like the scenes where the old where where. where friend tells the rest of the oldies to attack him and you're clear like come on like grandpa's not gonna have anything he's not gonna do shit to fucking Sean Connery you're like Christ yes really even like if it's 20 grandpas and one grandma ain't gonna do shit and he's just gonna stand there and push it down just <laughs> it's like come on and then like in that scene when, when he when when friend says oh you want to find out why this is all happens here let me beat the old guy up he tells him what it's all about it's a tabernacle and he's just and then and then you have Zed kind of running around trying to find the thing 
because he knows that if he yes. can destroy this thing, this tabernacle, he can he can he can cause what they what they want, which is you know the ability to die, uh, and also he can break the the force field because he's made contact with the with his friends, his other the other uh, exterminators that he's kind of worked with and kind of. I guess he's also brought them up, trained them, and kind of brought you know had them read, and they're kind of at his same level. Exactly. And they know what the plan is. But there's a force field around this about the around the vortex, and if you can break the tabernacle and destroy the tabernacle, the force field will be gone, and the people will be able to you know deal with their problems. Yep. Uh, and ultimately, that's what happens. You have you know he breaks. He he's able to destroy the tabernacle. They get in. The the exterminators kind of do what they do, which is kill people. <laughs> Which I've never seen happier people in my life get shot in the face. It is maybe one of the most. It's amazing Another, when this movie came out because I'm sure when we, people were in the theater were like, "I've never seen this shit ever in my life." Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't do well. It didn't do well yeah, in the theater. I would imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed he continued making films after this. It is so, it is so polarizing of a film because, like, I re, I remember the scene where when he loses his sight because he gets into the scanners fight with Consuela, yeah. he goes into that plastic. Uh, he gets into another plastic ball or yeah, bubble, into it. Mm-hmm. and he's talking to the girl who is more sympathetic about him. She's the one that he, I think she's he saw her on a horse at some point naked, yeah, and, or topless, and she gives him. She talks to him and tells him about all what the internals came from and why they decided to do this and how they de- why did they how hard it was to sort of become cold hearted and and not think about these people that were suffering outside of them because all these people like you said earlier were obviously people of uh, privilege and were able to take advantage of this but she does tell him i do want to help you but i will only help you if in the end of all this you fucking kill my ass because i'm tired of being alive yeah. And then she gives him a coca leaf. I think she gives him some. She gives yeah, him because a it helps leaf. him. It helps him later on when he takes it. He's he kind of shows an in, in a invincibility to sort of certain things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If there's anything about cocaine, everybody, it makes you feel like invincible shit. Like you just. So as everything's starting to fall apart, and you know Zed is trying to find the tabernacle, you have Consuela and her group of Eternals kind of wrecking house. Yeah. You know, they're like breaking up fucking, sh- you know, because friend has this whole kind of, he has this, I guess it's like a museum almost. He has all this curated shit everywhere and he has a computer like a, like an Alexa or like a yes. Siri where he can just go, hey, I want you to categorize this all by color or all by artist or what. And then the the, rob- and the robot just does it. The computer just does it. And he gets, he gets bored very quickly with this because the robot's able to do it very quickly. <laughs> yes. um, and he's like, all right, just do it by purple. I don't care. Everything is purple. I don't give a shit. Who cares? I'm just sitting here. I'm going to eat my fucking sandwich. You just do your thing. Get away from me. I did find it uh, interesting that May actually tells him, you know what? I'll help you. But you got to inseminate me and my homegirls or else we're not going to give you all the knowledge of the internals. Uh, right. I lo- I, that was such an interesting thing. It, it was like that's what she's been wanting this whole time. That was been a desire. It's like I want to be able to to birth, to birth a children. child. Yeah. And, Live life like a normal person. Yeah. yeah. But that's how, that's what everybody seems. Everybody seems to either want to have death because they've been alive so, for so long that they've grown weary of the the life they live. Or like Consuela, she actually wants to just have a normal life. Yes. In this kind of you know demented future, which you you like, the end of the film, which is the weirdest thing, you don't get a sex scene, but you definitely get them consummating because you have them standing in a in a cave, somewhere, just standing there, and then all of a sudden a child pops up in the between them, and it gets older and older, and then they somehow recently get matching green, 
you know, unipart things. Like the fuck, where those things come from? <laughs> like, can we have like a tw- can we have a twenty minute scene where they went to Kmart to buy those fucking things? Like, come on, like what? Do you- <laughs> and then they die, and then they grow old, and they grow beards together, and they die there. Yes, um, pretty much like as as if in like an ideal of I guess Adam and Eve restarting the uh, the world I guess again by having a child together because it's kind of forbidden in in the normal world. But now that with them doing that, it's kind of restarting everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I, what I read was for better or worse. I guess I read that something about that that sequence was kind of a bitch to film and took a long time and was arduous and very annoying for the actors and they shot it the first time it didn't work. They shot it a second time, and some shit happened. Some technical bullshit happened with the camera. So then they call Sean Connery, who was already annoyed the first time he decided they decided they wanted to shoot the sequence. They call him for that after the second time. They call him for that third time to come back in, and huh. he almost just completely lost his ass. shit. <laughs> I gotta do what again? Yes. <laughs> fuck you. I gotta wear that beard again, and you gotta dye my hair white? No, fuck you. I'm not doing this. I know. I couldn't imagine how sucky it would be. Can we been. just... Couldn't you just cut together the two ones you have? Because that's what it looks like. It looks like you just cut together two different pieces. <laughs> Get out of my hair. I'm, my contract's up, isn't it? No. you got you got to now take photos, which are going to be online for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, and everybody's going to go, where did this picture go of Sean Connery? Was this from a normal kind of like day at Bora Bora? What the hell? Like, <laughs> What kind of sex life was that? Like this, uh, this yeah. whole... I, I, I mean, This is one thing I do, I do absolutely enjoy is the fact that... There's no real sex in this movie, but no, you can. It's very sexual, it, but it's very sexual. Yes, uh, because the women, because the women have still that power over them, even though the men have no interest in looking at them. Yeah. Um, you know, they still are very strong-willed women, which is really you know an attractive thing. You know what I mean for most people, yeah, myself included. Um, <laughs> and most of the men are just very not effeminate. They're just kind of checked out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like you know. It's not like a bunch of like, "How you doing, sisters?" <laughs> like dancing through the fucking the the tulips because it's a seventies film, and you know most of the time it'd be like fucking Paul Lind diving in, going, "Oh, like okay, yeah. <laughs> I um, love Paul Lind." <laughs> so it's nice that the guys are like still men, but they're definitely like not interested in that. Like the fact that the one thing that we didn't talk about is that the fact they don't sleep; they just meditate right. for a little while yeah. and just so they have no interest in anything that's like the real world. What we're used to, like sleeping, sex, arguing, because um, anytime they do argue, they just age the guy. Like, yeah. oh fuck, like, we're gonna age you uh, six months. Yeah. And shit, it's and it's so weird. It is so weird. Like, I mean, even like some of the smaller things, like right. when he's trying to get away from, you know, Zed is trying to get away from everyone because this is when they're trying to take him down. And yeah. he just throws flour on everybody. That was like a very yeah. that was a Kevin McAllister move to me. <laughs> and they all like freak out about it. Like, oh god, oh, shit, I can't see. I haven't showered in months. <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, it's by like, the way, then after yeah. that, he gets into this little cave where all the 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 people, what I call the the zombie turtles, are in there. Right. And they see that the the one that he try was trying to take advantage of earlier in the movie mm-hmm. notices he's sweating his uh, Sean yeah. Connery sweat, and she just puts right. a little dab. All, all you need is a small dab, on. yeah, of that sweet sweet. And it seems to revive sweat. them in a weird way, and that completely yes. brings them back to being normal humans. But definitely makes them more mobile because you seem like they like a little group of lemmings roaming through the place as everything's falling apart. Yes, you notice that like after they all lick his sweat and he runs away. 
they're all like slowly following behind him like 100 feet just like 30 of yeah. them like and we see them boning later too i think they're like yeah, they, all like having sex and just like holy shit we're alive baby and as they as that yeah as they're starting to get back to normal they get shot in the face by a guy with a with a zardoz mask on like <laughs> Oh my god! I got off. Bang! Right in the face. Oh, shit. By the way, my favorite Sean Connery scene is when, uh, at some time, at some point in the movie, when May is doing her research on him, she walks him toward that weird triangular prism thing with all the mirrors, and he sort of <laughs> and he walks and goes, <laughs> his hands up and just. <laughs> I can watch that like, over the... and over. Oh yeah, I can like a gif just running all day. <laughs> Yeah, like you remember, you remember like meat spin back in the day. Oh yeah, you know, the, with the penis click into the timer. If it was just him doing that every fucking like, it just counted every time it did. Ah, <laughs> constantly just. I'm like, oh, I can I can do that all day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I do like the fact that there there wasn't a lot of the, the budget wasn't where it needed to be for for Borman no. to be able to do what he wanted to do. So he used a lot of mirrors and light tricks and all kinds of stuff. Like when they're trying to feed mm-hmm. him all the eternal knowledge there's just it's basically a bunch of people waving their hands and singing in front of a projector screen yeah and i get it i get they're working with the restrictions but that that is a very interesting way that they wanted to portray them feeding him knowledge they're just talking gibberish and uh singing and yeah, shit. Yeah. and he becomes a superpower and yeah it, it is it is so weird and it was like so that so basically what we find out at the end is this tabernacle thing wanted to be discovered, wanted to be discovered. So the tabernacle actually fed, it gave, it, it fed knowledge or fed the impression to the to Arthur to want to do something like this. Because at first Arthur is very cocky. He's like, I feel like I'm part of this. I'm a big part of the reason why we're all dying and we're all happy. And then Mm -hmm. there's that moment where Zed tells him, well, actually the tabernacle put that in you so that way you would eventually create me and then I could eventually come back and end all this. So technically you were being used as well. Yeah. You know. Like like I said, it's a a whole kind of Wizard of Oz angle to to it. It's like the the, the man behind the mask. Um you know, it's like no one's really everybody who thinks they have an, a one up is really doesn't ha- doesn't know the full story. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it's that it's ultimately revealed like that, and you're like, oh shit, all right, yeah, that's that makes total sense. And it's like, why did you put that five minute introduction in the beginning with the floating head, <laughs> and then and then I started rewatching it again with the commentary because he has a he has a really nice commentary because he just sits back and just kind of tells you the story of how this film went. And his first thing is, yeah, I shouldn't have put this in here. Like I, I second guessed myself, and a lot of people were like, "I don't understand what's going on. I don't, yeah, I can't tell." And then they're like, "Oh," and he's like, "All right, let me just put this little bit in the beginning." Yeah, and I'll explain explain better than I think I tried to explain. It. And then he only says that was a bad idea. I shouldn't have ever done that. Which is just it's just great that director coming back like after like I don't know probably the first DVD was probably in the nineties, late nineties. Mm-hmm. Him going, yeah, that was a bad move. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, it is. It is a bad move because I remember when it first popped up it feeling first of all the way it was written was very much in code and it is trying to give you some idea of the framework of what's going on Mm -hmm. but the fact that you decided to make the wizard's head like you said a screensaver you're more distracted trying to figure out what the fuck you're looking at than paying attention to his stupid memory you know limericks and shit yeah and so you just don't listen to him so it doesn't matter he shouldn't have ever put that in the first place because it doesn't help anyone understand the film any better you're either going to understand it or you're not and uh yeah i think the film definitely had its own 
I, I think it hit people so hard at the time uh, when it came out that they just weren't going to soak that in. They were watching James Bond in a fucking weird-ass outfit and a bunch of weird-ass shit. They weren't going to soak all of that in anyway, you know? So mm-hmm. it was just probably a little bit... The timing probably wasn't with them, and the money wasn't either. But um, yeah, to tell you the truth, man, I still had a really good time. And I, I do need to get to eventually... I need to get to the fact that... There are a lot of memorable characters in this movie. And um, I will say I would like to do a, a quick impression of one of the memorable characters. And it's probably not one that you're thinking I would actually do. And it may not be one that you remember even in the movie. Because the movie is a complete fucking crazy ass film. But uh, I, I, I would like to do this quick impression. <clears throat> <laughs> quick impressions. You have penetrated me. <laughs> there is a quick impression <laughs> for everybody out there. Yeah, use that. You use that on your girlfriend next time you guys get old. Like you're, you're like nice and quiet in the bed. Like you know, after you after you've coi- you had a little coilingus, and you're like, ah, you pen. You do that. Do that right then. Then she don't ever talk to you again. She just walk out of the house. <laughs> she probably will. Leave the apartment and never come back. It's like, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as you know, Vaughn, I I do rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. And uh, Mm -hmm. just to let you know, just to review it for the listeners as well, there is the full Fu Manchu recommendation and uh, the the walrus mustache for a pretty damn good, the horseshoe mustache for a eh, not bad, and then the toothbrush mustache, which is burn this bitch in hell. What would you actually give Zardos, man? What would you rate this movie as? Um, it's probably the highest I think I can do is like the the old Fu Manchu because I I love this film I really do I think it's it's a film that like it's a make or break for friends it's like one of those kind of handshake films for oh, me yeah. um and I've definitely lost a couple of friendships showing this to people like I've never heard from them again um just left you even if they're like and it's like you know and they're all good tides and shit it's like I I cope beside you with enough crap to keep you well ent- entertained watch the film. And it's like, uh huh. I'll talk to you later. And then never, and never see from them again. It's like, uh, great. But uh, yeah, I, 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 like the kind of you know inventiveness of it. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those seventies films where you're just like, this couldn't been made any other time. Oh yeah. Like, it couldn't have been made in the eighties. It couldn't have been made in the sixties. It could have been. It couldn't have definitely been made now because it would have been made on a shoestring budget in a camcorder. Like, no one would have gave him the money for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 a fun fucking movie, and I and I and I enjoy the hell out of it. I t- I completely feel you there, man. I this was kind of one of those that was bord- bordering. <laughs> I I gotta give it a high, 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 like borderline full Fumanchu, but I'm gonna give it the highest of high walrus mustache recommendation. Uh. I know. I still very much. I know. I still very much enjoy it. I love it. It's a good time. I just don't think it's for everybody, technically. Yeah. And when a rec- recommendation comes around, it means like I'm going to recommend this to everyone, and you're all going to enjoy it. This is for a very special group of weirdo people like me and Vaughn that enjoy <laughs> watching movies like this. Um, I don't want to. Maybe hell. Maybe after two more watches, I will give it a full fomentu. Maybe I need to really kind of completely just open myself up to Zardos. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah, I didn't need to let it That's penetrate how, yeah. me. Yeah, give yourself the Zed. Yeah, give, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, let it let, let him in. Let Zed come in. Let, 
No, no lube. Just let him right Ooh. in there. Oh. Jesus. Oh. Sandy dry <laughs> style. Jesus. <laughs> but yes, I do give this full walrus. Um, I like this movie a whole bunch. I had a great time with it. I love the absolute craziness of it, but at the same time, the fact that it doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's really important messages in here as well. And yeah. I think Borman would agree that you know the the fact that it's been so you know so long i'm pretty sure he would agree with right. the fact that yeah at the time i was trying to come in with some serious messages but at the same time i was trying to have a good time and i think that's what's yep. great about this it's trying to also mm-hmm. have a great time and that's what and if you look at everything about. after his film anything he's directed like you know exorcist 2 and excalibur you can definitely tell that he just said you know he just wanted to have a good time with everything he made he didn't want to be too serious yeah and just kind of went bug nuts. And a lot of the films he made after this were great, you know? Yeah. And it's, eh, you know, and it's like you'd think that a film like this would ruin a, a director. But, you know, I guess enough clout in your, you know, because Exodus 2 was 77. So it's like, what, four years later he made this film? After he made yeah. this film? So it's like he's still he's still able to do it. So You know what? Not I like, might have to know. bring you back for Excalibur, man. I would have not mind talking about that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So, Vaughn, do you have any uh, any plugs for the show? Do you have anything coming up? Are you on any other podcasts? Anything like that? Uh, okay, so I can I can go through my yeah, stuff. do it, man. Um, so I'm a uh, I do occasional reviews for a podcast called Astro Radio Z um, on Pinky Violence Films. Um, I do my own podcast, Motion Picture Massacre, which is on genre film. Um, I haven't podcasted since Christmas, but I'm getting there. Work's been just a pain in the ass. I feel you. It's like the first time I've actually sat in front of a, a microphone in a <laughs> while. Um, and it's like, you know, but um, like my show, I just kind of do weird shit. The last couple episodes have been kind of off the wall. Like um, I did, a, I did two episodes uh, based on the adaptions of Gene Shepard's uh, stories. Gene Shepard was a writer who created the character Ralphie, who's best known for the Christmas story. Oh, that's awesome! Um, but, but Gene Shepard also adapted six other films, TV and uh, direct-to-video films, um, based on that character. He had a lot of writing on that wow. character. So I did two episodes on those, um, and the Christmas episode was Fat Man, the new, you know, Mel Gibson picture, and there's something else I can't remember the other film. Because Fat Man, such you see that film? I've not seen it yet. I keep seeing the, oh. I keep seeing it, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to check that out. What, what, what is? That's, it's it's bonk, it's bonkers. <laughs> it's Santa Claus. It's a hitman searching for Santa Claus. It's 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 Gibson and uh, Walter Goggins as the place. Oh hitman. my god! And and it's it's a bonkers film. It's it, mostly it's for Walter Goggins. It's Gibson is just kind of you know he's there. He's being Gibson, but Walter Goggins steals the whole fucking oh, show. Yeah. It's, it's a great. He film is a magical that. human. <laughs> Um, I also am affiliated with a group of people called the Douchecast 5000. <laughs> um, I love that. We haven't podcasted in a year. I'm trying to get everybody back together to do one. We I put them on my feed, on the Motion Picture Massacre feed. Um, like I said, I'm uh, at the end of this month, I'm celebrating 13 years of podcasting. Um, I have no plans. I'm just probably going to continue the same shit I do every fucking time. Um, <laughs> but like, I like, like this has been a pleasure. This has been a fun time. Anytime, if you have anything you want to talk about that you don't feel like you can do on this show, you can always oh, you know, hell bust yeah, my man. balls like I did you and and ha- and come well, on my you know, show. I I'm yeah. confident, Vaughn, that you know much more about film than me. So I'm more than happy to just sprinkle in a little bit of myself, a uh, little bit of that spice, bring a little bit of that spice into your shows. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yes, as y'all know, uh, definitely listen in on on Vaughn's on Vaughn's work. This guy is awesome. He knows his shit, and that's what I love having on this show. Uh, and you can find uh, the Mustachio Podcastio on Instagram at Mustachio Podcastio. That is M O U S D Ashio. And you can also find us on Twitter at M Podcastio. You can email me any suggestions or comments, any shit like that at mustachioedpodcastio at gmail.com Vaughn yeah especially if you have any complaints about this episode and it's guest always just email us <laughs> no email Vaughn if you have complaints about this this is my fault no 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 don't 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 no no don't I didn't I didn't no 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 don't no no <laughs> this is his show you email to him not to me don't talk to me thank you so much Vaughn for joining the show and uh, for all the listeners out there I will see you next time y'all have a good one later bye